So welcome, if you are visiting with us today, welcome to Grace Community Church and trust that you have found this a welcoming environment. We love to have you with us. We want to thank those who are watching online. Uh, you also are a very uh, vital part of our church family uh, as you uh, participate uh, by that uh, marvelous electronical means. So we thank you for that. I want to put something, just something in a little bit of perspective. Uh, we talked about the, the gracious and abundant uh, giving uh, that God provided for this church over the last couple of weeks. But folks, that all translates into ministry. It's, it's not really about dollars and cents. It's really about ministry. Uh, the Gideon offering will purchase well over 8,000 Bibles. That's huge. That's based on a dollar fifty-five. I think he said a dollar fifty-six. Correct me on that. So, but but well over eight thousand Bibles can be purchased by the offering that was received here at this church, folks. That's a lot of word going out. That's a lot of truth being put in people's hands. Uh, and and as well, if you look at the. Uh, the sermon outline sheet, but on the back of that, more importantly for this moment, you'll see uh, a, a list of, uh, of people to be praying for. Uh, and also, where's my bulletin? Uh, where's our missionary list? It's in the happenings, isn't it? Yes, yes. Uh, prayer request here, uh, the happenings. Yes, uh, my, my error. I thought that was here. I'm, I'm sorry. Michelle, I do read the bulletin. I do read the bulletin. So forgive me. But if you look at the happenings, which is uh, basically I hope everybody gets a copy of that because it really gives you an idea of what's going on in the church and areas where you can get involved. But you'll find a whole list of missionaries. So all that fumbling and stumbling to say this the general offering goes to support all those missionaries. And then, of course, the logistical issues of keeping the lights on and uh, heat and air conditioning and stuff in the facility, uh, but, uh, uh, and paying salaries, okay? Praise the Lord! Yes! Uh, but, but in reality, folks, it's, it's about ministry. It's about ministry. So we've got the Bibles, we've got the missionaries uh, that all are getting support through your giving. And then, of course, we have the school. What a mission. Putting the Word of God into the hearts and minds of children. Teaching them, over the, uh, teaching them reading, writing, and arithmetic with a godly, biblical point of view. It doesn't get any better than that. And so, praise God for the offering, yes, but praise God for the ministry that can be carried out because of that offering. So, to him be the glory. To him be the glory. All right, very important. A couple of things that really need to be covered. Uh, first of all, Grace 101, if you have uh, interest in knowing more about the church and would like to become a member of the church, uh, I'm inviting you to attend uh, a four- to six-week class, a little cushion in there, on Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, beginning April 16th, and basically we'll walk through uh, the doctrine that the church holds to. Uh, and so what it'll be is a Bible study. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Uh, we, uh, where Scripture speaks, we speak. If the Scripture's silent, we'll remain silent. 
Uh, and so we'll teach biblical doctrine as uh, uh, point by point as to what we believe. And so it would be a good class for, for anyone who's interested, uh, but especially if you're interested in uh, uh, membership, sign-out sheet on the visitor's uh, booth out in the commons area. Next Saturday at 12 o'clock will be the visitation for Brother Ken Heron. His family will be here at noon to receive guests. And then the service for Ken, the memorial service, will, be, uh, will start at 1 o'clock. That's next Saturday. The following Saturday, the 25th of February, I do not have a time yet, but Ron Nielsen's service will be held here, and we'll be getting more information out as soon as that's available. Be praying for both families. That is the critical and most important thing that we can all do at this time, just pray. Intercede. There is much grief. There is much sorrow. There are many questions. But you know what? We don't need to know all of that. We need to know there's grief. We need to know there's sorrow. We need to know that there's great loss. And pray. And pray. We'll get you more information but I am also calling all hands on deck. I am asking that if you're interested in helping set up or take down from these occasions, because they will be fairly large, get a hold of the church office. Michelle can take a message. Contact Trish Webb if you would like to help specifically with set up or take down or even cleaning. Uh, but we're going to ask for some help. Uh, and Nancy Milney, bless her heart, is going to be calling for uh, food donations for a couple of large luncheons. Please, and I have no doubt in my mind, I have no doubt, this congregation will rise to the occasion. And every need will be met. But there will be calls going out for food uh, to serve luncheons here. So, I think it's a good time to catch our breath. <laughs> a lot going on. A lot of very important things going on. But uh, at this time, at this time, who should pray? Who should pray? Sean Bolin, would you pray for the message and the remainder of our time together? Amen. Amen. We live in uncertain times. How many knew that? The air is full of unknown objects. <laughs> Who knew that? <laughs> I guess everyone does, I hope, if, if you're alive, breathing, uh, aware, then you know that these are turbulent times, folks. These are uncertain times. Do you ever worry about the future? Oh, we can't do that. We're Christians, right? So we can't worry. Yeah, right. It'd be easier to confess that sin than to try to bury it. Okay? A lot of people do. They're afraid of what might happen to them. 
In uncertain economic times, there's a fear of losing retirement and, and, and uh, savings and home and property and, and, and everything. I mean, there's just overwhelming concerns that can affect all of us in one way or another. They're afraid of what might happen in the world, the country, in our community. Afraid of losing loved ones, a family, friends. Folks, we need to face these things. And yes, we are not to fear. We are to give these things to the Lord. But I'm telling you what, I still got this heavy dose of humanity that affects me quite often. And I get concerned. I get concerned. And I have to continually come back and say, God, I know you got this. I know you got it. But I have some suggestions for you. If you, if, you know, if you need some fresh ideas. We're about to enter another triumphant psalm. The psalm is number 125, if you'd like to locate that, but we'll have it on the screen here in just a moment. It's a great place to go in these uncertain times. It, it, it's also one of the songs of Zion. The city of Jerusalem first appeared in our psalms and this psalms of ascent back in 122, 122, Jerusalem first appears. And that was the first psalm of triumph. Zion first appears here in Psalm 125, which is the second psalm of triumph. From here on out, Zion, the mount that Jerusalem sets on, becomes a major theme throughout the rest of the entire psalms. It shows up in 125, 126, 128, 129, and it appears almost as a crescendo in the very last series 129, 133, and 134. It's important that we understand this principle, but it's very important that we understand this principle in context. The theme of today's psalm is safety and security. How many people want that? How many people want safety and security? Well, folks, we're going to discover, if you haven't already, that that's only found in one place. That's in a personal relationship with the living God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We've talked about how these psalms of ascent are stepping stones to know God's heart, to lead us closer to God. But they also are psalms that build upon each other. That's another reason why we can call them the psalms of ascent. Psalm 125 takes us to the hills of Psalm 121 and the holy city of Psalm 122 and combines them both in this new image showing God's people are safe and secure as Mount Zion surrounded by other mountains. Do you see? The mountains posted as sentinels to watch over. So there's a lot of imagery in this, and you understand that's what we're talking about, is imagery. But let's stand. Oh, my goodness. Let's stand and read this beautiful psalm, Psalm 125. Remember, this is a triumph song. This is recognizing the victory that we have in Christ Jesus, regardless of the dangers along the journey, regardless of what may afflict or affect us. We already have the victory through Christ Jesus, our Lord, because I want you to know something in case you don't know. He is alive. He is alive. And he is seated at the right hand of God the Father in glory at his rightful place of honor and authority, ruling the entire universe, known and unknown. 
Jesus Christ our Lord. Psalm 125, a song of ascent. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word today. May it bring hope and comfort to our hearts. May it bring conviction where necessary. But Father, most of all, may it lead us closer to you. May we draw nearer to you and find everything that we've ever longed for. For it's in Jesus' name the people of God said, Amen. Please be seated. A key verse in our passage today, verse 2, is the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. And thus the title of the sermon, Give Up, God Has You Surrounded. Folks, it's okay to surrender to God. He has us surrounded We should surrender to him and allow him to take us captive as his people. If we get a hold of this truth, we'll have peace in today's troubled times. We'll have peace for tomorrow's trials and troubles and a peace that extends beyond time into all eternity. Our God has us surrounded. Surrender and rest in his grace today. He will also round up the wicked, according to the text that we just shared. Those who are not his and give them their just reward. But today we rejoice and here are, here's your first sermon. Now there's two sermons. I should have told you this this morning. It's too late now you're already here. There are two sermons this morning. This is the first one. And folks, if you're visiting with us, there is no extra charge. This is included in your entry fee. Okay. By the way, Frank said, you, uh, gentlemen, you need to get out and, 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 and buy that special loved one a special gift. I want to encourage you, if you have anything left over, get something for your wife, too. <laughs> we are surrounded by God's promises. This book is full of them, folks. It's full of God's promises, promises specifically given to God's people. And we can claim those promises. Just be careful that you're claiming the promises given to his people and the promises given to his church and us today. His divine power, Peter writes, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Amen. Doesn't that sound like a plan? 
but he has given us these great and precious promises. First John chapter two said, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If you heard from the beginning, if what you heard abides, Frank, I just did it. I learned well from you this morning. Start over. <laughs> Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has made to us, eternal life. How about that for a promise? Eternal life. We're surrounded by God's promises. We're surrounded by his peace. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God, which transcends or surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Very important. We are surrounded by God's peace. The world is searching for peace, and we hold the answer in Christ. The word of God is clear. This is an old, 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 oldie, but no Christ, K-N-O-W, no peace, K-N-O-W. No Christ, N-O, no peace, N-O. No Christ, no peace. No Christ, no peace. We are surrounded by God's protection, his promises, his peace, his protection, like the mountains, the sentinels that surround Mount Zion, watching over us, guarding us. I want to read a passage of scripture and, and we're going to get there. Oh boy, oh go. we still got a sermon and a half to go. Oh my. One of my favorite accounts found in 2 Kings chapter 6. I want to begin reading in verse 8, and I want us to listen to this and know that wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, whatever experiences you have had or are having or you are about to face, I want you to know something. God has it. He is fully aware and he is fully prepared. Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants saying, at such and such place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him, so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. Verse 11, And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words you speak in your bedroom. Oh, watch out. And he said, Go and see where he is that I may send and seize him. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dotham. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army and they came by night and they surrounded the city. Okay, we got the enemy around the city. It's all over now, isn't it? No, no. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city and the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? Surrender, give up. He said, 
do not be afraid. Can you imagine that? You imagine that getting up in the morning, have your morning coffee, look out the dining room window, and you're surrounded. You're surrounded by a vicious, cruel army. And the words he gets is, don't worry. <laughs> don't be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain, there it is again. The mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Go God. Do you see it? And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, this is not the way and this is not the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. Can you imagine this? This whole army's going blind. Elisha's a smart aleck. He says, hey, hey look, I'll take you. <laughs> I'll show you where you need to go. And he leads them astray leads them off into no man's land. Folks, open your spiritual eyes. Pray the Lord opens your spiritual eyes and get your minds, get our minds off of the things of this world. It's ugly out there. It looks bad. There is war and rumors of war. There's earthquakes. There's famine. There's violence. There's cruelty upon humanity unspeakable. The, 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 the abortion, the killing of our unborn continues to rage with endorsement from the highest authorities. It looks like we're surrounded by bad news, but we're not. We're not. Look to the mountain. Look to the mountain. See God's army. See God's army. He has his people surrounded too. And it's a good encampment. It's a good encampment. Oh, Elijah, or Elisha, excuse me. Do not fear the enemy. God has them surrounded too. We are surrounded by God's protection. We're surrounded by God's power. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed. We live in a power-hungry world, power and pressure prestige, fame, and fortune. It is the power of Christ in us that gives us the ability to escape those things, the things of this world. But wait, eat sermon two. Folks, please bear with me. This is serious. And I, 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 I really want us to come together with the understanding of all of this. Because I tell you what, if, if we don't get this, we are going to be held captive by worry because of the condition of the, of the world around us. It's inescapable. Number one, when we put our trust in the Lord, we find security. Security. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved. It abides forever. This security is only for those who trust in the Lord. There were no doubt many who physically marched to Jerusalem. Listen to this, please. Year after year, singing all the songs, all the psalms on their way to Jerusalem. And they still didn't trust the Lord. They were trusting their journey to Jerusalem. 
They were trusting their journey to the temple. They were trusting their journey to just setting foot on Mount Zion. And they had never gone beyond the journey, beyond the temple, beyond Mount Zion, and put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. They had never put their trust in God. The Lord securely surrounds only those who trust him. Boyce writes this, there is a false trust in Zion, a trust that does not go beyond the mere city or presumes on the commitment of God to preserve the city. The people presumed in the decades before the fall of the city and were warned about the presumption by the prophets. The psalmist is not advocating such false trust. He is actually looking beyond Jerusalem to the Lord who alone truly endures forever. He is teaching that our security can never be ourselves or our circumstance. It always will be in the God who rules and reigns. The emphasis lies upon the object of our trust. When we trust in the Lord, there is security. Number two, when we trust in the Christ, we find stability. Stability. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. The hill of Zion is the, is the type of the believer's constancy. And the surrounding mountains are those, those emblems of the surrounding presence of the Lord. The mountains around the holy city, as I said earlier, were, were set like sentinels to guard her gates. Now, God is not enclosing us or imprisoning us. He is surrounding us with his divine protection. First, we are established, and then we're entrenched, settled, and then sentineled, made like a mount, and then protected as if by mountains, one writer says. Listen to these words of the Apostle Paul as he writes about unstable times. He says to the church at Corinth in second, his second letter, chapter 4, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Brothers and sisters, we are going to be okay those who are in Christ are going to be okay. We may get pressed. We may get pressured. We may be perplexed. We may get crushed. This old body may be destroyed, but everything else, the soul, the spirit, and the mind that is in Christ is headed for glory. And no one can change that. That's the rule, right? That's the rule. It's been measured and confirmed by God. Storms and trouble come upon us, but they only in the believer's life reveal what's in us. Storms and trouble reveal what's in us. Trusting the Lord means security. 
Trusting the Lord means stability. Built on Mount Zion and surrounded by the mountains, Jerusalem was an impregnable fortress. The pilgrims felt safe when they arrived there after a dangerous journey. As citizens of the heavenly Zion, we need to feel safe also because we're under the same Lord's care. When we put our trust in the Lord, we find sovereignty. Sovereignty. Trusting the Lord also means sovereignty, bowing down to the God who holds the righteous scepter in verse 3. Wickedness in our world is a temptation even to the righteous, so keep submitting to him. Uh, the, the writer of the psalm concern, well, voices a concern, the, the righteous reach out. The, and, and, and folks, we got to be careful we're not reaching for something outside of the will of God. And be careful that we don't fall into a covetous state where we're reaching for the things the wicked have because it appears for at least a time they are prospering. No, they're not. All they have in their grip is the things of this world. Don't reach out for what they have. Hold tight to what Christ has already given you. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, the psalmist says. Isaiah saw the Lord in the year that King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. John saw the Lord in Revelation chapter 4. At once I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, and one seated on the throne. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. How many times did we hear the throne mentioned in that passage? It's repeated for a reason. God is sovereignly ruling. Man has always desired to have a throne, folks. It's part of that human nature that I talked about earlier. Yes, at the cross of Christ, the old man was crucified. But that human nature really lingers. It lingers. And, and, it's that, and it's that desire to be in charge, to be in, in command. Man has always desired to have his own throne and his own kingdom, the throne of his own life, the throne of my own authority, thrones of judgment for self-righteous rule. We cannot properly put our trust in the Lord until we remove our trust from everything else. It just isn't going to happen. And today I'm asking that this church, that we all join in prayer to tear down every throne that we have set up to compete with God's holy and just rule. We need to get rid of all the thrones because there's only one that's going to endure forever. There's only one that's going to last beyond time and eternity. There's only one throne, one king, one Lord that's going to endure, and that is God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who draws us to them. And we got to get rid of our thrones. We're not in charge. Fourth and final point. When we put our trust in the Lord, we find sanctity. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. That's very important. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. Sanctity is the fourth result of trusting the Lord. When we walk by faith, we avoid the dangerous detours that lead us away from the paths of righteousness. God has made us safe that we might be submitted and our submission should lead to separated living. 
we find holiness not of our own making, but a holiness imputed to us through the indwelling Holy Spirit. And just like throne grabbers, many want to resist their own goodness, to arrest in their own goodness to receive salvation. Brothers and sisters, that's establishing our own throne. And God will not tolerate it. Paul gives us a summary passage. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for those evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason, I love the way he transitions. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Listen to his pedigree. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Wow, there's a man that's glory bound. Right or wrong? But whatever gain I had, everything that he just listed, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And he calls it garbage. Garbage. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as there it is, rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. There's a man that got saved. He got saved. And he had every reason by human standards to believe he already was because he had done all the right things. He had lived a self-righteous life. He's like those pilgrims that made their way to Jerusalem singing all the right songs, mingling in the right crowd, attending the right events, and all they were worried about was the temple. And what they needed to be worried, needed to be worrying about was the Lord of the house. The Lord of the house. You see, there are still mutilators of the flesh in our churches today. I, the, the, the testimony we got from the children's today Wow, that spoke to me, and it should have spoke to all of us. There's only one perfect one. There's only one perfect one, and he's the only standard. 
for the Christian life and conduct. I have pushed the envelope on time this morning. But I want to read something, if I may, and just close with this and proceed to the invitation. Going back over notes, we are surrounded by God's promises, by his peace, by his protection, by his power. If you are trusting in the Lord, you have security, stability, sovereignty, and sanctity. And Oswald Chambers has these words to share. When we pray asking God to sanctify us, are we prepared to measure up to what that really means? We take the word sanctification much too lightly. Are we prepared to pay the cost of sanctification? The cost will be a deep restriction of all our earthly concerns and an extensive cultivation of all our godly concerns. Sanctification means to be intensely focused on God's point of view. It means to secure and to keep all the strength of our body, soul, and spirit for God's purposes and God's purposes alone. Are we really prepared for God to perform in us everything for which he has separated us? And after he has done his work, are we then prepared to separate ourselves to God just as Jesus did? The reason some of us have not entered into the experience of sanctification is that we have not realized the meaning of sanctification from God's perspective. Sanctification means being made one with Jesus so that the nature that controlled him will also control us. Are we really prepared for what that will cost? It will cost absolutely everything in us which is not of God. That's exactly what Paul said in his writings. Are we prepared to be caught up in the full meaning of Paul's prayer in this verse? Are we prepared to say, Lord, make me a sinner saved by grace as holy as you can? Jesus prayed that we might be one with him just as he was one with the Father. The resounding evidence of the Holy Spirit in a person's life is unmistakable family likeness to Jesus Christ and the freedom from which everything is not like him. Are we prepared to set ourselves apart for the Holy Spirit's work in us? The first thing we need to do is give up the throne. Give up the throne. Father, I thank you for today, for the word that we, we had a lot to move through, and I I ask for your forgiveness if I have done or treated it unjustly. So much to learn. So much to learn from this beautiful psalm of triumph and conquest. But Father, if there be one here this morning that doesn't know the God who sets above Zion, the God who reigns from his heavenly throne, they've never made a confession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and today I pray that this would be the day of their salvation. To you be all glory, honor, and praise.